this evening uh, to cover three chapters all at once, okay? We're going to talk about 21, 22, and 23, and obviously I will not be able to discuss every detail in these chapters, so relax, we're not going longer this evening, Um, but uh, we're going to take and try to see as a whole the message of these chapters and what Matthew wants us to see about Jesus. So what I'm going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing either. I'm going to read the beginning of chapter 21 and then the end of chapter uh, 23. So Matthew uh, chapter 21, and I'll read verses 1 to 17, and then we'll go to chapter 23. Hear now the word of God. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the mountain of Olives, there Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, humble And mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. And now turn over to chapter 23. And I'm going to begin in verse 37 and read through chapter 2 of verse 24. Chapter 23, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came, 
to point out the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another, that it will not be thrown down. Let's pray. Father, would you help us as we consider the words and the actions of your Son. I pray that you would teach us tonight to come with gratitude that you have given us this revelation, that you have given us these words that show us who you are, that show us what you have done, that show us what you call us to. And give us not only gratitude, but would you give us understanding? And not just the understanding that helps us to grasp concepts, but the understanding that changes our lives. Because we have encountered not only your word, but your presence. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, change us, challenge us, humble us, and teach us tonight? We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There was something wrong with Jerusalem. That's clear from the movement of these texts that we have read. Chapter 21 opens with Jesus approaching this great city, and as he approaches, there is celebration. There are people shouting praises to God and shouting their allegiance and their desire for Jesus. And so there's celebration at the beginning, but how does it end? How does chapter 23 end? It ends in mourning. It ends Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. Something was wrong with this city. And what was wrong with Jerusalem matters for your life. It matters for your life because of what God had said about this city. God has said that this city was the hope of the world. That through this city, He would bring His kingdom and His life into this world. The name Jerusalem simply means the place of peace, the city of peace. And so it was through Jerusalem that God has promised to bring the renewal of His peace into this world and into our lives. And so when Jesus weeps over Jerusalem, it raises a question for us. Has the hope that God promised gone away? It is the potential for peace that God had guaranteed through the city of Jerusalem. Has that vanished? Has it died? And so with that question in mind, I want us to come to these chapters uh, tonight. And we're going to move from problem to solution. Okay, We're going to see what's wrong and what can be done about it. So first of all, The problem with Jerusalem. Matthew tells us 
right after the text that we read in, in chapter 21, that Jesus was walking back to Jerusalem. After he had gone one day with all this celebration and all his confrontation of the temple, he goes out and then he walks back towards the city. And along the road there's a fig tree. And you have to understand that this was the time of year that was not the time of figs. Figs were not in season this time of year. But Jesus comes to this fig tree and the fig tree had leaves on it. And if a fig tree has leaves on it, then it should have fruit on it. But Jesus found this fig tree with leaves, but no fruit, and he curses it. And it dies immediately, on the spot. Kind of a strange thing for Jesus to do, right? Seems a little cruel. Uh, Not the most environmentally sensitive thing uh, for Jesus uh, to do. Uh, But this action becomes less strange as we keep reading these chapters. And as we keep following the things that Jesus does and says as he's in and around the city of Jerusalem. So for instance, in in verse 43 of chapter 21, he's talking to the leaders of Jerusalem. The elites, the political and and religious powerful people. The people who ran the city, who shaped the city. And he says to them, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people. And what does he say about those people? He says that they will be a people who produce fruit. They will be a people whose lives have been changed by the kingdom of God. Whose lives have been affected. Whose lives show the evidence of God's kingdom, of His rule in their lives. The kingdom is taken from you and given to them. And then in verse 20 or in chapter 23, Jesus absolutely reams these leaders. And this has been growing all throughout the gospel and especially in these chapters and we get to chapter 23 and Jesus is at his hottest. He goes after them and actually he curses them. He says seven times, woe, and that was, that's the word for cursing. And Matthew wants us to see a connection between Jesus cursing the fig tree and Jesus now cursing the Pharisees and the scribes and the other religious leaders. And he curses them for their hypocrisy. And what is hypocrisy? Well, It's like a fig tree that has leaves but no fruit. Jesus says to these leaders, the reason that God is rejecting you and giving his kingdom to people, to other people, is because they will produce fruit. Fruit that you have not produced in your life or in the lives of the people around you. So, these leaders, Jesus said, had talked a big game about God's law, but God's law had not changed the way that they live. These leaders had chosen little small things in the Old Testament to make big things, and big things like justice, they had made small things. And these leaders had had taken that perspective, and they had 
burdened, Jesus says. They had burdened the people who listened to them. And they expected a rigor of the people who listened to them that they did not expect of themselves. And they did nothing to help the people with those burdens. So Jesus says to them, you are fruitless. You give the appearance, the leaves of a fig tree, but you don't produce the fruit. You have shaped a fruitless city with Jerusalem. You have shaped a place that has not produced the kind of lives, the kind of relationships that God wants for His people. And so Jesus curses them just as He had cursed the fig tree for being fruitless. Now why? What had caused this fruitlessness? What caused the hypocrisy of the leaders of the city of Jerusalem? Well, look at chapter 23 once again. And read with me some verses we didn't read the first time around. And this is the end of Jesus' attack, his confrontation of these leaders. And he's told them what's wrong, and now he tells them why it's wrong. What has caused the hypocrisy that he is confronting them for? Verse 34 of chapter 23. Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, Some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of the innocent Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon you, will come upon this generation. What had caused the hypocrisy of the leaders of the city of Jerusalem? is that they rejected God's Word. They rejected His communication to them. He had sent the prophets to them and said, listen, what I really want from you is not just animal sacrifices, but I want a broken heart. A heart that is broken over sin. That's what I wanted from you. And they rejected the message of those prophets. He had sent prophets to them and said, listen, what I want from you are not elaborate rituals. I want mercy for the poor. And they rejected and they killed those prophets. And that is what made them hypocrites. They violently protected their idea of what God wanted rather than humbly receiving the revelation of God. What God said that He wanted. And so, they gave the appearance of speaking for God, but in reality they spoke as God. They they claimed to be living the kind of life that God wanted and to be able to tell the people around them how to live the life that God wanted. But in reality, they lived the lives that they wanted. And it's why Jerusalem was a fruitless city. It's why Jesus mourned over this city that had had so much much promise. And the problem 
with Jerusalem is a problem that we share. It is a tendency that we share. It's like synchronized swimming. All right? Synchronized swimming, uh, I don't know if they called it a sport, whatever it is, it, it is an activity built on pretense. Right? It is built on an appearance of ease. Okay? So above the water, you have elegance and ease. Right? But it is an ease that is produced by enormous physical effort. Okay? And what's interesting, well, I, I don't know if synchronized swimming is interesting, but, but in the <laughs> modern world, uh, this sport has been unable to maintain its pretense, <coughs> to maintain its hypocrisy, because we've developed cameras, right, that can go underwater. And so no longer do we just see what's above the water. We now can see all of the chaos below the water. The gospel, the message about Jesus, the word from God through Jesus, must become like an underwater camera in our lives. The word that God sends to us does not stay on the surface. It does not just adjust our form above the water. It does not just help us to create an appearance of a good life or an appropriate life or a righteous life. The word that God sends to us through His Scripture and ultimately through His Son, must dive below the surface and confront not just our behavior, but the desires and the fears that rule our hearts. Jesus, if you come to Him by faith, He will not adjust your form above the water. He will dive below the surface into your heart and He will confront the chaos that drives the sin in your life. Are you willing to receive that? Are you willing this week to come to Jesus who comes to you like a surgeon, doing something that is painful to go inside of you and address what is truly wrong. Will you receive the pain of Jesus' confrontation? If you will not, then your life will remain fruitless like that of the Pharisees. You might be able to adjust your behavior to look more appropriate, to look better, to be impressive, but you will not change in the way that God wants you to change. Will you receive the message of Jesus as an underwater camera to reveal the rebellion of your heart. Now, 
that's the problem, and, and we can't stay there, right? We cannot, while it is true that Jesus' work is to expose our hearts, His work is something more than that. And we can see in this text not only a problem, but a solution. We see that while Jesus mourns over Jerusalem, He does not leave us without hope. And so, what, secondly, what is the solution for Jerusalem? Two essential elements, according to the Old Testament, for Jerusalem to be what God wanted her to be. For Jerusalem to be a fruitful city, a city that produced the kind of lives and relationships, the kind of world that God desires, there are two essential elements. First of all, a leader. A chosen leader, a king. God said this king would come from the line of David. He'd be a descendant of David. And this leader would lead God's people back into God's will and his design for them. So first a leader, and then secondly, the city needed God's presence in the temple. They needed not only their internal capacities to change. That wasn't enough. They needed God to come and powerfully, effectively dwell with them. So keep those two elements in mind, and let's notice, notice a few details of these texts. Chapter 21 tells us as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, Matthew explains what happens there by connecting us to a prophecy from the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah had said to Jerusalem, and Zion is just another name for Jerusalem, your king is coming, humble, riding on a donkey. And what's interesting is Old Testament scholars have shown that Zechariah, with that prophecy, was actually connecting to a, history, to a story from the history of Israel. And it was the story of David whose son Absalom had rebelled against him. And Absalom had raised up an army, and he had turned the city of Jerusalem against God's chosen king, against his father David. And so great was the danger that David had to flee the city, he had to take the few who were, remained loyal to him, and he had to go out into the wilderness. He had to gather an army around him, and he had to then defeat the armies of Absalom. And after he does that, he processes back into the city of Jerusalem. And what would we expect of an ancient king who had been rejected by a city to do when he comes into the gates of the city that had betrayed him? Judgment, right? Violence, destruction. But that is not the way that David came to the city of Jerusalem. He came with reconciliation. He came with forgiveness. He came with the hope of renewal of the relationship between the chosen king and the city. So Matthew, as he connects us to that prophecy and to that story, he is saying to Jerusalem, here is your king. And he is a king who comes first, not with judgment. That's later. But he comes first with the potential of reconciliation. The potential of life. Here is your king, Jerusalem. 
And what is Jesus' first act as the true king of Jerusalem? He goes to the temple, right? He goes to this place that was supposed to be the place of the presence of God. And these religious leaders had made it a place of exclusion. They economically excluded worshipers whom God wanted them to welcome. And so Jesus goes in and violently cleanses the temple. He purifies the place of God's presence. And the children come in, those who were usually not allowed in, and they praise Him. And then later in chapter 21, you remember verse 43 I mentioned that Jesus said the kingdom was being taken from the religious leaders and given to people who produce fruits? Well, how are those fruits produced? Back up one verse to verse 42. And Jesus quotes from Psalm 118, and he refers to himself as a stone. And he says, it's a stone that the builders rejected, the leaders have rejected, but God has chosen. And what does that stone do? It becomes the beginning of what? Of a new building. Remember where Jesus is and what he's talking about. He's in it. He's talking about the temple. He becomes the foundation of a new temple, a new dwelling place for God. So that as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, he comes as its true king, but not only its true king, but he comes as the renewing and the life giving presence of God. He comes as the potential for Jerusalem to be renewed, to be transformed into a fruitful place once again. And how would it become a fruitful place? By receiving its true king. By receiving the true presence of God. So understand that the solution for the hypocrisy of Jerusalem and the solution for the hypocrisy and fruitlessness of our own lives is not internal, it's it's external. You see, we hear Jesus' challenge against hypocrisy and we tend to turn inside and say, well, what, what can I do to, to keep it real, to do better, to have more integrity in my life. But the message of this text is that you cannot do that. You cannot overcome the hypocrisy and fruitlessness of your life. It is not a result of your internal reform. It is a result of the invasion of Jesus, the true King, the true presence of God. That is how your life will bear fruit. So when we think about hypocrisy, we think about the opposite of hypocrisy being authenticity, right? And that's right, that is. That's what Jesus is saying. I don't want hypocrisy, I don't want falseness, I want authenticity. But think about that word authentic. 
It's a popular one in our culture, but think about what it means. So, for instance, there's a famous story about an an art forgery. A man who, with great skill, his name was Van Meegren, was able to copy the works of of the Dutch master Vermeer. And he made millions of dollars selling these forgeries. And he would have gotten away with it, except he sold one of the forgeries to one of the top-level officials uh, in the Nazi regime. And so when the regime fell and the international community was prosecuting uh, these men, they found the works that this man had sold to the Nazi official. And so they come after him because of his contact with them, and they put him on trial for treason. And when he gets up on the stand, he says, no, 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 I didn't commit treason, I just committed forgery. (laughs) And he went about and had to bring in art critics and experts from all around the world to try to prove that the paintings he had made were not authentic. What makes a painting authentic? Not something internal to the painting. It's something external to the painting. A painting is authentic because it came from the brush of Vermeer, not the brush of Van Meegren. No matter how much the two paintings may look alike, it is authentic because it has been authored. That is the way to authenticity in our lives. It is not to work harder at our character. It is to be authored by Jesus, the true King, the true presence of God. It is to lay down the pen to lay down the brush of our lives and to open ourselves to the artistry and the authorship of Jesus. So, for example, we've seen that the Gospel of Matthew talks a lot about relational conflict and how to deal with relational conflict. If I am working on my character, If I am pursuing fruitfulness with my own ability, I'm going to hear that and I'm going to think that it means that I need to be nice. Okay, so that's what my mama and daddy taught me. Okay, is that when you run into conflict, the way to obey Jesus is to pretend that it's not there and be polite. To put on the smile so that nothing gets ugly. Right? But that's fruitlessness. That's hypocrisy. That is leaves without fruit. Jesus' work in my life is to not allow me to stay at the surface of niceness, 
but to dive below the surface to confront the anger and the self-centeredness that is driving the conflict. And the way to change is for, then me to, me, for me to open myself, for him to write my anger as reconciliation, for him to write my self-centeredness as self-sacrificial love, not just niceness, not just politeness. Or think about what Jesus says about money. When we hear the Bible talk about money, we want to go to percentages, but Jesus will not leave it at the level of percentages. He calls you to open your heart to His authorship. He calls you to open yourself to His confrontation of your trust and worship of money and to His transformation so that in your heart, in your life, you will worship him, you will seek his kingdom. And that work isn't just talk. It isn't just the teaching of Jesus. He gave his life for that work. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. He gave his Holy Spirit to us so that he could produce fruit and not just leaves. And that is why when Jesus mourns over Jerusalem, it is not a hopeless sadness. You see, Jesus suffered the rejection of that Jerusalem so that He could produce in us, in our lives, in our community, a new Jerusalem. So that he could gather around him a community of people who by faith open themselves to his authorship. Open themselves to being written by him. And that as they do that, he changes them. He produces fruit. And they live in a way that Jerusalem was supposed to exist in the world. They live as an expression of God's peace and as a display of His glory. Will you open yourself this week, not only to the exposure of Jesus, but to the empowerment of Jesus? Will you open yourself to Him, not just as a camera that shows the chaos to be hard, but will you open yourself to Him as an artist who will transform you as you come to Him in faith? Let's pray.